space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome back to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim. With me is Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And our emergency holographic co-host, Angela. Hello. So we're still on time travels. We're still waiting for that elusive third season of Discovery. Though I did hear, um, I'm sure I read that they've made a bit of a, not a breakthrough, but it's getting, getting closer there was some sort of positive comments coming out of social media this week, so we may we may be closer to an announcement at least than than we thought we were. So you never know; we might be on Discovery sooner than we think. But yeah, it's hard to say because like most of the big studios announced this week, everything being put back in the next year. Yeah, but the I mean the thing is, we know Discovery was wrapped and everything, and it's just the the yeah, post production. And the soundtrack and everything, but I, I can't remember. It might have been Anthony Rapp or something who sort of implied that it's nearly there, but we'll see. Uh, but in the meantime, then we've got time travel, and this time we're looking at two episodes that share a, a similar premise, but what twenty years apart? These episodes, at least, uh... and. Anyway, it's cause and effect from Next Generation and magic to make the sanest man go mad from uh, first season of Discovery. And what they've got in common, obviously, is that they're both... Well, let's address the elephant in the room. They're both Groundhog Day episodes. Yeah, uh, and both similar, but done in different ways. Yeah, definitely. In different ways that 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 it happens... Yeah, very much so, and we'll get into that as we go through. But, I mean, do either of you guys know, because I, I referred to it as the Groundhog Day episode, so obviously, you know, the I'm sure everybody's seen Groundhog Day, but the, the concept of the film is Bill Murray keeps repeating this same day over and over again. And that's certainly what popularised the term, and these yeah. episodes obviously came after that, and it's been done in other shows, like The X-Files did one, Supernatural's <laughs> done one. Um, was Groundhog Day the first one, or do either of you guys know if there was... Has this been done, like, was there a Twilight Zone or an Outer Limits or anything that you're aware of? Um, not off the top of my head. Not off the top of my I'd head. I'd be surprised if there wasn't. Yeah, I'm... I feel the same, like, I, I can't think of one, but, but it feels like the sort of thing that's, that's probably been done before somewhere, but, um... But Groundhog Day is certainly the one that made it extremely popular, and obviously there's we're seeing a lot of Groundhog Day memes at the minute with lockdown, so <laughs> quite topical. Yeah. yeah, I completely lost what track of day it was oh. last week. Yeah, I was in weekend, and I thought it was like Wednesday. Yeah, I'm not surprised, and you know what? As well, I think contributes to that, like the fact that we use TV on demand as much as we do now. It used to be that you could tell what day of the week it was by what programs were on that night. You know, like, oh, EastEnders is on, so it's either a Tuesday or a Thursday. And if Blankety Blank's on after, it must be, a, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, we don't do that anymore, do we? No. So, yeah, you did used to sort of know. You, you almost kept track of your week at times yeah. by, oh, I'm, I look forward to... Yeah, because, I mean, we've talked many times about how we watch TNG, particularly on Wednesdays. Yeah. Wednesdays, after after Brownies, yeah. after Girl Guides. Six o'clock. And, Six o'clock BBC Two. And so, and you used to have that when there were quite a few shows on you were watching it. It'd be, oh, X-Files is on on Tuesday, Star Trek's on on Wednesday. But, um, mm. yeah, we don't, we don't get that anymore. It's just Netflix every day. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> Although um, ice ice icebreaker, no, what's it called? Snowpiercer. Oh yeah, yeah. Is it that, good? That comes out on a Monday. Is it? Right, I, I didn't know what day it dropped, so I just pick it up as a uh, bit by bit. Has it been good so far? It's alright. Yeah, it's yeah, not well, bad. I, I watched the film a while ago. I liked the film. Um, and remember enjoying it. Mm. Um, but not recently enough for it to af- affect my viewing pleasure of the series. Right. So, 
it seems okay. Yeah, I'm gonna. I think I've I've let Actually, a few let a few build up now, so we'll probably binge that when we. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if it's got much longevity to it. Mm. Stuck on a train. I can see <laughs> like the one case to solve, but it's a, it's a very very big train though. I know it's a big train, but it's still. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll see. Anyway, Star Trek The Next Generation then. So this is cause and effect from season five. Yeah, halfway through season five. Yeah, and um, I've wanted to do this for years, but never really had an excuse or the time to do it, is I've wanted to sit down and look at how many repeats do we get of the loop and what changes between each one. So Mm. I've finally been able to do it for putting the notes together for this. So... The first loop, then, is the the teaser. And basically, we only get the very end of it, which is all hell's breaking loose and the Enterprise explodes. Yeah, um, and used a lot of the budget for the episode. I remember the first time I watched this episode and the the way that this emergency unfolds in the first few seconds, um, culminating with with Picard shouting, abandon ship, all hands abandon. Yeah. Yeah. Being quite emotionally invested in the crew by that point, obviously, it, it was it was quite a shock. Yeah, it yeah. was. It was a massive shock, and um, you know, I was I was quite upset by it. I, I remember being, you know, quite distraught. Yeah, and it's quite you know, if you didn't know going in what the concept of the episode was going to be, mm. you would be like, well, what what just happened? You know, where, where do we go from yeah. here? Exactly. <clears throat> And then it's, it, it really grabs you though as a, as opening score. Yeah. You whoa, what's going on here? I want to see where this is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it, it was it was done very well. There was the right amount of pause um, after the explosion before you know starting starting the story afresh, starting the new time loop, starting the story proper. Um, just just to you know feel the proper shock and all yeah it's a really audacious opening and elliot you'll you'll know um on the model side of things then did they blow up like did they use an amt kit yeah yeah this um this you this little scene at the start your teaser blew a huge amount of the budget for the episode because they they built they actually built a physical model right and i've talked before about the cost of these things and one of the, it actually affected later on in the episode. They wanted a new ship for the Bozeman from scratch, and they didn't have the money to do it. Right. So that's a reused ship, but we'll get to that. Yeah, because you can tell with the explosion that they have actually blown a model up. Whereas <laughs> yeah. what they'd what they'd usually do is they'd have the footage of the ship and they'd superimpose an explosion over it. Whereas yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, this has got all the like the do how they used to do these is is explosions is you have the model and you have the camera underneath it. Yeah. So all the pieces would be falling to the camera and then obviously the plate and it looks like it's coming towards you on this flat plane. Yeah. Mm. And it it looks great, and I, I presume it, it, is, it was a really expensive. <laughs> I presume as well that what they did is film it do it once but film it from multiple angles because we get different angles on it yeah. each time really don't we through the loop yeah we do yeah but, but like um, I said this this blew a lot of the budget for this episode yeah, yeah there's there's the bit where one of the nacelles is is caught on a a strip of something uh, as the explosion happens so you've got half a nacelle sort of yeah. hanging on wire almost it's um yeah, it just made it look really, really good. No, it's well, really it probably good. is the way because obviously they put lights and everything inside this thing. Mm. Yeah, so it probably is the way that it's hanging on. Oh. Yeah, probably so. Um, so picking up then after the credits, we're in the second loop now. Talking about like you know not know not knowing this is the concept, you might if you're watching this the first time, you might think, oh well, this is a flashback then. And we're gonna mm. we're gonna see the build up. I mean, obviously, it doesn't say it on screen or anything, but I could. So yeah, I, I don't think yeah, I ever. This, I know what you mean. Where so like you see this in teasers nowadays. Yeah. Something happens, then it goes twelve hours earlier. Exactly. 
and it it bugs me does that i really don't like it as a there's a few good ones but as a general rule i don't like it when a show does that and the x-files which i love the x-files but they got really bad for it in the later seasons and it just felt like they couldn't think of anything to do in the teaser so they just took two minutes from later in the episode and brought it forward and it i think nine times out of ten it doesn't add anything doing that um so i'm glad that that's not what we're doing here but i could see that you might think that the first time through yeah, I think if you watched it, were watching it for the first time, you'd probably think that because we see it so regular now in shows. Yeah, and you'd I probably think that's what was happening. I don't think I ever saw this without knowing what the concept of it was. So I, you know, I didn't see it when it first aired, and I, I think I, I first watched it on VHS. So, and it, by that time, it was quite a famous episode. You know, it, everybody yeah, kind of knew. I think I, I think I actually saw this first time it was shown on BBC Two. Yeah. And at the time, I I wasn't I didn't buy the videos. I couldn't afford to. We didn't have Sky, so I'd not seen it on Sky. Yeah. So I was quite a lot of them when I saw them on BBC Two was the first I knew of them. Yeah, yeah. To an extent. Yeah. It's... And I remember this. I I didn't know what was going on in this. Ep- or I understood the episode as it was happening, but I didn't know what to expect going in. Yeah. Going in. Mm. Absolutely, and then of course, as it starts the the, the this day that we, we we don't know whether it's a previously on or or whatever, and then and then Crusher gets gets the deja vu, and it comes to the end of that loop. Well, we have the first this first loop. There's nothing where the the don't think there's deja vu, do they? No, she, she's the, she's just no, feeling she does. A bit uneasy. She she like says the, like they have the card game. Like, mm. isn't Riker a bad loser? Oh yeah, we've seen loads of of poker games, and Riker normally wins. Or he's doing really doing well at them, and this is one that we're seeing losing. What a grumpy, miserable, bad loser he is! <laughs> he really is. Yeah, he gets in a right too because yeah. he don't win. Oh, do you know I was bluffing? What? Give it away? You have no <laughs> bloody hands. <laughs> yes, I was trying to look I, at his I cards. Reaction, no help for the Klingon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, data is brilliant. Data's yet yeah, d- some of the stuff data says. I was thinking that's weird, but then I thought maybe from a sort of a script point of view, they're having data say slightly weird things that are quite memorable, like no help for the Klingon, so that when we see it again, w- we remember it. You know, so that it's. If he says, yeah. if he had just said no help or something, it wouldn't stand well, we're out. Quite, we're quite well into data as well, trying to mimic people, aren't we? So True. he thinks that he's, that he's yeah. mimicking out human behaviour a bit with a bit of ribbing. And... Yeah, it's the banter sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, then, and then, of course, at, at the end of that loop, what, what struck me was the discussion during this emergency. You know, should should we blow the, the shuttle bay doors or should we use the tractor beam? And I... I I timed it. 13 seconds of wasted time yeah. between a uh, ship being on collision course. What got me is that <laughs> Picard, didn't, as the captain, didn't seem to have a clue what to do with something no. like that coming happening. And he's waiting for, he's waiting for two suggestions. Yeah. It's like you say, Angela, he pauses a long time before he even says suggestions, doesn't he? He's... Yeah. Yeah, it comes across that he doesn't have a... That he, I don't actually like this about him. I know why they do it for the story, but I don't like how Picard's portrayed in this. That is, it doesn't. It's almost like he's indecisive himself, or doesn't know what to do yeah, himself. it's not urgent enough. Certainly, when well, there's, a, there's, a sh- there's a ship on collision course. It's going to be just yeah. thirty-nine seconds. What, what's what's going like, on? Well, surely he could have said they already know the thrusters aren't working, so he could have gone shields up. Yeah, um, engaged tractor beam. <laughs> well, d- didn't didn't Riker call for red alert as soon as the ship emerged? Yes, I think he does. Yes. Yeah. And uh, am I right in remembering that when red alert is issued, shield should be automatically raised? You just uh, oh, I don't know because Riker always says shields up, red alert, doesn't he? he says it always yeah. one order. But yeah, you're right. You would assume that red alert would justify. Shields. Yeah, otherwise, how's it different to yellow alert, you know? <laughs> yeah. It does mean changing the bulb. Yeah, well, uh, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Even worse on Discoveries, they've got to have the black bulb as well, so... 
<laughs> so so then we get to the end of that loop and then we start the next loop and this is when we realize that we've got some sort of time loop thing going on yeah which of course watching star trek we're we're, we're used to seeing time travel of yeah um, watching star trek you're generally a bit of a geek <laughs> and you watch other sci-fi so it's fair to say that we've probably seen um a lot of Doctor Who being in the UK by now. Um, we've had the Back to the Future, so we know all about how fast you have to be moving to <laughs> do time travel, and we know the Enterprise is moving faster than 88... 80, is it 88 miles an 88 hour? 88 miles an hour, yeah. <laughs> so we're quite happy with the concept that it's going fast enough for time travel. Yes. Yeah. Um, um, but as this next loop starts, the scenes are shot from this slightly different angle yes. earlier. And that's when you get that really weird, oh, it's the same, but not quite the same. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a good, was it Freaks directed this? It's a, it's a good directorial decision because it could be quite boring just watching the same scenes over and over again, but we frame them differently and we go for different angles and it, it makes it, it, you get a bit of dialogue before it starts to diverge and change, but it's not boring because we're we're seeing it in a different way. So I think that's very, very well done. And a lesser director might have just done it exactly the same. <laughs> yeah, set the cameras up, same place. Yeah. People in the same place. Mm. And it was just, just out of kilter just enough so you knew that it wasn't the same again. Yeah. And then, of course... When um, Geordie's being examined and she goes to his records, because they both think that it's happened before, but they can't, just, they yeah. can't think where. Did you freeze frame that? And no. Have a look at, no. Visor right, related, wait, the search parameters were, vis, were, were uh, headache and dizzy, and they all came up visor related, yeah. apart from one, which said common cold. But they said that that doesn't... But previously, by... I think back in season one, wasn't it? Yeah, they no longer have the common cold. So, um, so yeah, so Geordie's had the cold at some point. Just there we go. Maybe it wasn't there an episode where Wesley threw a snowball out of the holodeck and somehow that gave everybody the cold? Yeah, that magic uh, holograph, yeah. holographic snowball that can't exist outside the holodeck, <laughs> but... Still yeah. uh, so maybe it was that but yeah well spotted you're right maybe, maybe there's the, a couple of the sort of um retcon that didn't know yes what she'd said about the common cold well, that, there's, there's been a few instances of colds and this I'm, is my grandmother's cold recipe and that's true i'm wondering maybe if they were aware of it and it was just meant as a little throwaway easter egg joke and they didn't expect that 20 odd years later it'd be upgraded to hd and we'd be able to pause it instantly <laughs> with, you know with a clear that screen as well because back in the day with vhs if you paused it you couldn't read a thing um, no, you had to keep pressing pause to get the um, yeah. lines to move down the screen. Exactly. So but it but, stretched the tape and it ruined it. Yeah. But now it's just perfect. So, yeah. yeah so may right, yeah. maybe it was a I've, joke. I don't know. Yeah, if you've watched my latest episode on YouTube <laughs> of Retrek Modeling, I have a go at uh, the remastered, but not next generation yet. Just stay in, just stay US. <laughs> I quite like the TOS remasters. Uh, I, I, I don't think they've done a lot of harm. Um, but anyway, I'll, I'll get on and watch your video. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and we get other mentions of deja vu, like Picard says that he's having deja vu and they run a diagnostic and everything. Um, I noticed this time, though, when they're about to blow up, uh, Troy gives them a warning a little bit earlier now. I don't remember that in the previous loop, so... The scene... Yeah, she sort of senses something and something's yeah. coming in. We have to leave right now. <laughs> That's it. So the, what I really like about these types of episodes is watching it for that point where it starts to diverge and change. And yeah, well, it... she's, she's only got three lines in the whole episode, really. Yeah, I never thought of that, but yeah, now that I think of it... It's... I think one of them is, what, like a message in a bottle? Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it's 
completely superfluous to requirements. It's interesting that this is a Beverly episode. Like, you think about... When you think of this episode, you think more of the concept, but it is a Beverly one, and I don't know... Yeah, it's Beverly who's striving them all, realising what's going on. Yeah, but it's it's almost an unusual choice. Like, you'd have thought maybe Data or The Forge, with it being quite a, a techie idea... Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, it's it's interesting, but the so obviously Crusher was the first to go, there's something really not right here. Mm. Um and then at the poker table, three or four runs through They all start realising. They all start realising, yeah. yeah. Wolf, who would potentially be the least uh psychically uh sensitive, even even knows. And that, that bit where they're predicting the cards as data's dealing with yeah that's really yeah good. That's, that was really quite spooky and and um gave me a bit of a shiver yeah like data data's not getting this though is he? he's not getting the psychic link at this point oh but you haven't you haven't bet my pastry bet yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah but he's he's not getting any deja vu like later on in the episodes they do mm. work out how to let dates but he's not at this time and he's just no, really right. confused by it all yeah, he but doesn't he, understand how they're doing it. He doesn't get deja vu. As as far as the tech goes, Geordie's the only one that's got a physical manifestation. Yeah, that's what's giving him but, dizziness in his visor. That's because of his visor, though, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's, it's um, never really thoroughly explained how everyone's getting the deja vu, is it? Or or is it? Did I well, miss that? I have a big big problem with this. Like from when we see the Bosman, because it's in. Like the the Bosman when it comes out, it's been in this loop for a hundred years, mm. and they've been in it for seventeen and a half, well, seventeen point four days, and they've got the deja vu going, and they know what's been going on, and they're aware they've been in a time loop. And the Bosman has uh, no clue. <laughs> yeah, you, you you put Kelsey Grammer in charge of something, and it's going to be very factual and not very touchy feely, anyway, isn't it? Yeah, and it's, yeah, they've obviously not got as good a crew. They've not got an android and a guy with a visor. Yeah, but there's no one even suspicious of deja vu after a hundred years. Yeah, of you'd loop. think, wouldn't you? But um, I like that this thing with Beverly and that glass that she keeps breaking. Like in the third loop or the fourth loop, she's like, "Right, I'm going to put it somewhere else somewhere so I else. don't break yeah. it." But she does. Well, we've spoke about this before, haven't we? With time being elastic, and it likes to make the same the things happen still. Yeah, glass uh, was destined. To yeah, it was. Yeah, and she don't brush her teeth either. She's there on sauce, and then just goes <laughs> straight to bed. Why she don't brush her teeth? Because she is on the sauce before. <laughs> well, not just before bed, but in bed. Yeah, true. And it, but it's the smallest little wine glass you've ever seen in your life. Ah, but um, what's in it? Sherry. That's true. Yeah, it could be. It could be sherry. It could be something stronger. Um, so yeah, this is like around this times where she's a bit more proactive. Like she's ready with the tricorder because she, you know, kind of knows these whispers are coming and she can record them. Mm-hmm. And then they work out we can send a message via data. And that there's a lot of great dialogue where they're talking about we don't want to repeat the same mistakes, but we can't second guess ourselves. And yeah, that was an as an as a good Picard um, thing for him to say. Yeah, and it's like we can only send a, a, a maybe a one word message or something. Yeah, well, they, they've been in in that situation before. Then they're, they're no strangers to time travel. Yeah, they're no strangers to, to cause and effect, but they're also no strangers to having. A, a one-word message. Um, yeah. Do you remember uh, the voices in the night? Yeah, and there was... Two stars. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. And there was um, Picard, when he was assimilated, said sleep to Data. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, mind, let, let's get on to then the message they do choose. So it it's cool where they have this thing where they all get a three and then they all get a three of a kind. Mm-hmm. And the threes keep appearing everywhere. But it's a little bit obscure. Like, Well, Data gets it in the end because Data sent it to himself, hasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, obviously he doesn't think... So Data's, respons- Data's responsible for the message. True. Data, at the last minute, right, what can I send myself a message that I will understand 
in the moment. When I need to mm. understand what it is. Wouldn't it have been better to send Riker or something? Or Shuttle Bay? How, how, would, how would you get that subliminally into... Oh, that's, I don't know. When he were D-Link cards, all, see, I, all I the Jacks the, would have been Riker. Yeah, see, I, I spent... Once the three started popping up, it was like, oh, there must be a third option. Cause we were the thing is, so, yeah. that the number three was for three pips. Yeah. 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 It has three pips as well. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it's two and a half pips. <laughs> yeah, Riker's got three full pips. Yeah, but they've both got three pips on the collars, so... Well, I I took it as Data knew that he was looking at Riker's... His eyeline was right on the pips at the time, so he, he obviously thought, that when I see those three pips, that'll remind me. Mm. And what about the the whole thing of Riker gives his suggestion, Data gives the suggestion, and Picard goes with Data, like, you know, it, presumably because Data's more of a science officer, more experienced in that area, but I'm su- Riker's not having a good day. He gets his bluff called at poker, and then Captain doesn't like his <laughs> idea. Well, see, yeah. see D- Data's not an engineer. No. So his solutions are not engineering solutions um, in 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 the real world, but he he does come up with some some good ones. But I I given those two options, I wouldn't have chosen. They've got power failures all over the ship. I'm not going to choose something that requires more power to. Yeah, yeah. The tractor beam and the, uses a lot of power. Because you know, the, if, if the thrusters aren't working and they can't go to what blah 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 blah, then you know why why yeah. would they choose? The, more and also, a tractor beam pulls something towards you, not pushes it well, away. Well, maybe he's still got Wesley Crusher's schematic. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's um, yeah, yeah, that's from, it. Uh, the Naked... The Naked, naked Now. Ta- now. Na- yeah. Naked Time. Yeah. Which, which one's which? Naked Now in TNG, Naked Time in yeah. TOS. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, they've had them schematics to make the tracks be moving through repulse since the second episode. But so. it could explain why the Bozeman keeps hitting them if they've been pulling it towards them all this time. <laughs> but I like that Riker's solution is a more sort of physics-based solution. If we depressurize that yeah. bay, it will shove us out of the way. Yeah, it'll give us some thrust. Exactly. So anyway, it's a- basic space physics, isn't it? I did. I did have another idea about the Bozeman. Um, it it is just implied that they've been looping for the last. God knows how many years. Could they have just traversed the rift? Yeah, I would possibly them traversing the rift and the Enterprise going into the yeah. I it was the explosion. In the rift that's caused the Enterprise to be in a time loop. Yes, if it could two, be. If there's actually so we're thinking two different time effects here. Yeah, yeah. it's the, the Bosman's had one where it's instantaneously gone through a rift forward in time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the Enterprise is being stuck in a get stuck in a loop because it hates it. Yeah, the side effects of that are the loop. Yeah. Now yeah. this that is makes a... a lot more sense for the Bosman not to be aware of what's going on after all hundred years. Yeah, because although although the Enterprise is is special and the crew are very special, um, and they they often fix problems that no one yeah, else has ever but, been able to. I think it's this... like I don't think it's even the thing with even if the Bosman can't fix the problem. It's the fact that the no one has any deja vu in a hundred years. Yeah, mm. if if it was an alien that don't have any kind of concept of that, yeah. that would mean another bit of story. But no, quite quite clearly, uh, yeah, uh, that makes a lot more <laughs> sense to that. Now, I mean, I, I I I watched it through again today to, to see if I could see any reference that they'd been through it, but. I, I thought that they'd just traversed. Yeah, I think yeah. you might be right. The... I think that makes a lot more sense. It does. I know that um, the the captain played by Kelsey Grammer is in a few of the novels, so maybe they yeah. explore it a little bit more. One... Yeah, because the Bozeman gets, uh, in some of the novels, gets recommissioned in 2406. Right. So we might see this in uh, episode, in season eight of Picard, would it be? You never know, yeah. <laughs> Battle of Wolf 359. And um, one thing I just want to bring up generally about these types of stories is it's bloody handy that the one week that the Enterprise gets absolutely destroyed, they happen to get stuck in a time loop, which means they can eventually avoid it. Because, yeah. oh, you know, a hundred and seventy odd times they manage to not get destroyed, but the one time they do, there's a handy time mm-hmm. loop to get them out. Like, 
Same in Supernatural, Dean gets killed. He, he's managed to not... Well, actually, Supernatural's a bad example of people getting killed. They all die every couple of episodes and come back. But, you know, he, he gets killed in an episode and it goes into a time loop. The X-Files, it's uh, a bank blows up with Mulder and Scully in it. Or I think oh, that maybe was a great episode. It was great, yeah. Or well, maybe yeah. just Mulder's in it the first time round. But anyway, and again, it, it's lucky he was in a time loop, otherwise he'd have been dead, you know. So quite handy. Paying in his paycheck. He was, yeah, because he, what was it? He owed somebody his landlord money or something because his yeah. his waterbed leaked. Yeah, but the, that's right. And his his waterbed he only got because of another time loop. Be when the guy took over his body because of the an alien thing. So yeah. Anyway, that's the the time travel in the X Files. Anyway. So should we move on to Discovery then? Yeah. Did we all recognise which where we've seen the Bozeman before? It's a it's a redress Reliant. of the Moran the the Reliant, isn't it? Yeah. But it's it is different though. It's got like it's a, the same model from Twok. But the, I think they've added they've, they've something changed the to pod it. on top to That's a gun. It. Yeah. The yeah. they make made the shuttle bays wider and they changed the bridge module. Right, I knew there was something on top were different, yeah. 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 The the actual original story calls for a completely brand new ship. Right. We were meant to see um, a progression of the Constitution class. Oh, that would have been cool. But um, they used all the budget on the uniforms and um, the teaser. Right. <laughs> and it's... that's where the teaser affected it later on. Oh, they that's... were told that you can't have a new ship. You've spent too much money on <laughs> models and uniforms already this yeah. episode. I think overall, it's it's in my top ten of TNG. Yeah, it I think so. Episode. It's a brilliant episode. Yeah, and ironically, it's one that you can watch over and over again. So it is. there you are. Yeah. So how many loops did we actually see on screen? I me- I made it five. Um, if you count the teaser as a full loop, we. I think you have to count it as a the, loop. The basically every act of the story so at the end of every loop go, would have gone into a commercial break when it yeah. first aired so you have the teaser act one act two act three act four and that's your that's your lot and then a little epilogue at the end sort of thing but um, and each, each did, did time you work, we heard did you manage to work out how long a loop was um no <laughs> that's i mean we know it starts with a poker game so that's usually in the evening yeah. And then Beverly goes to sleep, wakes up next day. So it's, it's probably about a day, maybe just well, short a, of a day. They have the morning briefing at 0700. Yeah. Now, when when Picard and Crusher are having their intimate warm beverage yeah. when she can't sleep. Um, yeah, that she's put a silly pink ribbon in her hair for. Oh, I made her look really girly. Don't, don't, forget, <laughs> don't forget Gates is, is, is a dancer. Yep. So that that would have been her choice, I would have thought. Of Probably, yeah. Um, the uh, Picard mentions about Data and Geordie working on the problem through the night. Yeah, well, there is a night, isn't there? The, the poker game they usually play on an evening. Then Beverly mm. goes to bed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, do, they do keep like to Earth so, standard time on the ship. They do. And yeah, then they have, have they night have shifts three, and things. And they have three sleep patterns. They have a three-shift rotation. Yeah. Um, and who was it that took over that wanted to change it the shift? It was Jellico change, wanted to change it to four, four shift. That's right. Um, so they've got a three-shift rotation. So Geordie was obviously on the on, on the night shift at that point with Data obviously doesn't... Yeah, Data everywhere. can multitask. <laughs> so yeah. no, wonder no wonder he's getting headaches. If he's, if he's doing the late shift, yeah. the night shift... But he's he was working the previous shift because he's fallen off a thing and gone down to sick bay. And he's been up playing poker. No, he, he wasn't, wasn't playing, playing poker. poker. Oh no, he, sorry. He went to sick bay he during went the sick poker bay game. Right, he did. Poker. Sorry, yeah. So, so he's done a double shift there. So he was doing a double shift. And <laughs> then it finishes with obviously 
presumably it's alpha shift is when it's our well, main characters well, so. yeah. well yeah but then Jordy seems to be on duty there as well so it well Jordy's obviously had to do three shifts so, back to so that. Jordy's doing three shifts straight yeah and then it finishes before the clock off for that night so it's probably just under 24 hours yeah and I wonder the poor lad's having headaches and not surprised yeah Whereas, we'll move on to Discovery then. So this one's much shorter. This is explicitly said to be about half an hour. Just Yeah, just <laughs> over 30 minutes. The yeah. loop we get. So we start off and we get what they used to like doing a lot in Season 1, which where Michael would give us a, a personal log that's going to set up a few of the things we're going to be looking at this week. And it's yeah. all about finding your place and all of this business. And we find out the Federation have started to win the war because of the spore drive. And, yeah, she seems to have taken a bit of a shine to Ash at this point. And he, he's only been in it, what, two episodes? Yeah. Something There's like absolutely that. no uh, premonition about what what he is going to be. No, no but everybody, everybody knew because somebody on Twitter worked it out and it just got... The, the, we talked about this uh, when we were covering Discovery. Like, this is one of the the drawbacks of social media is that if one person comes up with a theory, that's it. It's out there, and you're absolutely convinced of it as soon as yeah. one person's thought it up. Whereas in the old days, if one person in Texas had have thought, "I wonder if I bet he's a Klingon." It that'd have been it. He, he'd have known. He'd have maybe said he'd, to his he'd mates. He'd have known. Maybe a couple of his mates he told down the pub. Yeah, but then us over here in England, we wouldn't have had a clue. No. But it, Which is where we go back to what we were saying when I first watched Cause and Effect. I had no idea what was coming on. No. All, um, all I knew was that it's Star Trek night. Yeah. I mean, the the thing with Discovery, like, I tried to avoid spoilers, but the Ashes of Klingon theory was so prevalent that it would have been difficult to yeah it it's very difficult to avoid spoilers it is yeah well uh, I, I i managed to avoid those for discovery i was oh I was well done so um so the whole ash storyline was quite surprising to me excellent see i would have loved to have had that experience more of it surprising than the Lorca. yeah I'll, I'll i'll get to in in a bit because i think this episode shows Lorca in a poor light yeah uh, there's a few things in here i noticed this time through but um i like that they're having a proper party like it's a party with beer pong and you know yeah. usually Flowers around the neck and yeah getting you... off with each other in corners and usually yeah. in star trek we see let's all go to a poetry recital and listen to somebody play the cello yeah and... well that's what we've got in tng yeah. all the time whereas this is a proper yeah. knees up and i love this nine did it a bit better where they yeah, went and played on the holodecks properly and mm. I love um, Tilly in these scenes because up until now she's been very sort of nervous, very anxious, um, not very outspoken and very timid. But clearly she likes a party and she's absolutely in her element here. And it's it's a different side of the character that we've we've not seen before. She's she's obviously not as sure of herself in a professional capacity, but she's clearly a confident young woman. On a on a social level, which Absolutely. I thought, I, I think that's great. It's a nice element to a character that, with, with lesser writing, she would be exactly the same. She'd be sat in the corner mm. at the party, going, "Oh, you know, oh no, I feel really embarrassed. I can't go and dance." But but she's the one who's you know basically trying to get Michael to cop off with Ash. Well, yeah, and and. It- wardrobe comment i thought the outfit that tilly was wearing to the party was way more flattering than the uh, the discovery uniform yeah well I, I think that your social clothes should be more flattering than what you wear to work <laughs> yeah they should be and and that's another thing that star trek's always struggled with is showing what people wear when they're off duty like oh, in- tng <laughs> TNG yeah. most of the time they're just wearing the uniform regardless of what they're doing yeah. and um, DS9 tried it a little bit and like with Jake Sisko he had them weird sort of pantsuits that he wore all the time that were 
again I think, I think they were a nod to african heritage if you look at the um oh the, the yeah the, the ones that they started wearing later but no i mean like mm. season one and two jake where he just had these like it was sort of an all-in-one number that uh, yeah oh, jumpsuits, yeah oh no they were horrible we're, well that was like uh wesley, wesley. wasn't it mm. yeah uh, obviously the all-in-one uh Trap tracksuit was yeah. obviously a fashion thing. It must have been, yeah, 24th century fashion. So, <laughs> uh, they bump into Stamets then, who we find he's out... his face. He's what? He's off his face. Yeah, he is. He's, he's, he's been sort of weirdly nice because he's been very abrasive up until this point. Mm. And, you yeah. know, it, it, they say, oh, it's it's partially because of the... the, the what is it? Oh, it's just injected, sort of. Yeah, and he's sort of he's coming out of himself a little bit more it. now, because you know mm. Stamets. It turns out is a nice guy, but it takes a long, a fairly long time for us to find that out because he is really standoffish and quite arsy, really, in the early episodes. <laughs> and Stamets as uh, it's the wrong the wrong field of expertise, but as a McCoy. Yeah. Yeah, he'd like to just be left alone to get on with his work. and Yeah. Whereas um, Culber's the sort of exact opposite. He's just a really nice, warm, open guy with everybody. And it's... With a wonderful bedside manner. Yeah, it's the one of them couples that you often get where one of them's a bit funny and the other one's really outgoing and nice and I remember I had a, an English teacher when I was at college and she was awful she was like you know even though this was a sixth form college she was like super disciplinarian and then um, she was off one week and her husband covered the lesson and he was the nicest guy you'd ever meet and it, it was just this <laughs> this contrast as a couple and I think Culber and Stamets are a little bit like that Um and then, yeah, we, we get the space whale, the Gormaganda, and, um, yeah, Mud's, Mud's got an Andorian battle helmet, presumably. It, yeah, it does It does look Andorian. But after, yeah. after the first destruction of the Discovery, yeah. there is there is no pause for effects. It just launches no, straight in. we go straight in. And, and you're like, have, have, have I just turned over two pages at once? What's, yeah, because... You know, like, I, I, there was no time to grieve. We felt, felt no sense of loss. No, it's like like uh, we said about the next gen one. It's really hmm. rigidly structured. The commercial breaks come in after each explosion, whereas they don't in this. They, there are breaks where I know it was a streaming a streaming show, but there are act breaks in it. But they don't happen after the the destruction of the ship. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's same idea, but they're doing it very very differently, and the. The other big difference is in TNG, we followed Beverly because she was the one who became aware of it. Whereas in this, yeah. it should really be a Stamets episode, but it's not. It, we're following Michael because she's she's the, the protagonist of Discovery. And yeah, well, this comes into it rather than us following it. I think it works, yeah, but it's, it's different. It, it, like, you can see why... A lot of people play hell about Burnham, the character. Like, she's overused for sorting everything out. This should have been a, a purely Stamets episode. Mm. Yeah. She, but- they don't, and Star Trek's always been really good at that previously with these shows on a ship where, yeah, we've got the captain, but we can quite happily have, like in TOS, could quite happily have a Spock episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A McCoy episode, the Scotty episode, and TNG Discovery. Discovery. I think season two they got better at it. They did, but yeah. season one they were awful at, at being able to have an episode through anyone else but Burnham. Yeah, and and I get that because the you know it it's the first one. Obviously, the captains have always been nominally the the main character, nominally the protagonist, but. Discovery's the first one to go, this is Michael Burnham's story. She's our focal Mm. point. But it does beg a belief at times. Like this one, why does Stamets go to her? You know, they sort of explain it like, oh, well, I need her to talk to Ash because Ash knows this. And I've tried talking to Ash in the past and it hasn't worked. Mm. But it it feels like I'm coming to you because you're the main character. Yes, 
like you get the impression this is actually they're actually quite a long way into the loop at this point. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Quite a few times. Yeah. This has been going on for quite a while. Like, we're here. Is it in this loop or the next loop where Mud actually says, I've killed you 53 oh, times? Oh, yeah, that's later on. Already. But yeah, he does. That, that, was, that was quite a funny montage, wasn't it? Yeah, that's good. <laughs> and um, and it, as it turns out, he'd have been doing them all a favour if he'd uh, got away with killing yeah. Larker. But um, I, I liked the quote, so many ways to blow up the ship, it's almost a design flaw. Yes, that's a nice. <laughs> that was, you know, that was pretty good. So. Um, Breaking yeah, the fourth the, wall a little bit there. <laughs> the, uh, the, the the second loop when we see the the, the gormaganda. Yeah. And Lorca's just not interested. No, in where he's like, don't care, don't care. And, <laughs> and it's like, hang on, that's that's not very Roddenberry of you. No. Yeah, like um, it's even been told though that it's our duty. Yeah. Yeah. We it's it's a di- federation directive. We have to look after this thing. And I remember sitting there thinking, I thought Lorca was supposed to be like a captain that we were supposed to love. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's interesting. We already knew it was a bit weird with his Yeah. Like, and... I think I think when you watch these back now, knowing what you do, you, you can see you can, why he's like, like that. The... And, 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 it, and like, obviously they knew what was coming. So it's written like that. The clues were there. for what was going to happen Jason Isaacs has said in interviews that when he was pitched the character it was made clear from the very start where he was going because he needed to layer it into his performance and yeah yeah it's like the first time through you think you know well it's because Lorca's Lorca's a more of a soldier captain than a, a diplomat captain so he's not interested but then you watch it the second time and yeah no it's he literally doesn't care yeah, um, yeah. It's it, this is actually how his character is, and Lork, this Lorca, Mirror Universe Lorca that we've got. This is how he really is. Yeah, exactly. He's got no. It doesn't serve his agenda. Messing about with this Gormaganda. It's <laughs> the fish on board. Yeah. Though I, I do like the bit where they go down with the phasers, and the security guy says, "Are you thinking this whale's armed?" <laughs> that was like the fourth fourth time we saw it yeah and so yeah we get a a few what what i think's interesting as well is this one it it isn't spending time repeating things like tng does you've got the poker scene and the in the second loop it plays out more or less the same then it diverges a bit and Mm -hmm. then you've got the briefing scene and that plays out whereas this is going okay next loop Boom, boom, boom. And it'll just show you but, quickly where they've got to that point. Yeah. Yeah. But it's saying um, this is explained very early on that they are in a loop. It's yeah, to, it is. The, the characters in, that are trying to solve it, like Stamets knows what's going on. And he's, he's trying to explain it as quick as he can to burn them every, every loop, quicker and yeah. quicker to get to move things along. Yeah. So... The don't, we don't want to be repeating no exactly and a no, little bit of difference exactly and I think it gives it gives this episode a much faster pace than the TNG episode I think oh it's a really fast paced episode is this and I like um, just on a side note that every time it restarts we get the Bee Gees song which is it feels like a bit of a nod to Groundhog Day how it always starts with the Sonny and Cher song yeah, so you've got that musical cue of we're mm. restarting the loop every time. Yeah. Now, there is, I think it's in the third loop, um, Mud takes Lorca <laughs> to his secret room, which is noticeably much darker than everywhere else. Yeah. Mm. Which obviously comes into play later in the season. I thought that was a very nice touch that you wouldn't catch the first time through. Well, when when we were introduced to Lorca, we were we were told that he'd had some eye damage. Yes, ah, that was it. Yeah, that's kind of it. Yeah, yeah, we were told that he's had eye damage, but it was actually disguising that it was actually from a different universe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because that's really obvious. Yeah, that that was an interesting one they added in. We've never heard that before, but um, they needed something <laughs> for Michael to work out. There, it's uh, yeah, yeah. 
not sure about the the Terran universe is darker. The the yeah. Well, we never got. I've never got that impression in uh, TOS. No, because it's as bright as the, if not brighter than the, the regular yeah, Enterprise. And I, uh, and I didn't get that impression in Enterprise. Um, no. Didn't get that impression in DS9. No. <laughs> um, so, there we go. But anyway. Um, I like the bit where Stamets is sort of teaching Michael to dance. And talking to her about love and everything, I, I think that's really cute. It's a nice, a nice bonding scene between them two. Yeah, and I, I, I do. Qu- um, sorry, Angela. No, sorry, you carry on, James. No, no, I, I've, I can't remember what I'm going to say. I, I, <laughs> it, it's a, it's a slight detraction from from Michael's self-absorption. Yes, <laughs> everything's like, oh, my life's so hard. I don't understand any of it. I don't know what's correct, protocol, blah, blah, blah. It's all a bit weird. And, oh, by the way, I've never been in love. Yeah, it's not what I expected a secret to be. Yeah. But maybe... maybe Mind you, it's something that... If you if you wanted something that you wouldn't tell anybody. Yeah. If it's something that plays on her mind, but she's never discussed with anyone, yeah. And I know... Yeah, like, to me, I... <sighs> Burnham really annoys me with this because she was on the Shenzo for, what, nine years? Yeah. And she's picked up nothing. I know she was raised by Vulcans, but in nine years she's picked up yeah, nothing about because mingling with uh, humans, because in this, serving with them, yet within seven weeks she's picking it all up on the Discovery. This is it, like, and, you know, all credit to Sonequa Martin-Green's performance because watching this back, and I've not watched season one in a while... She's playing it so much more Vulcan in this episode than where she ends up in season two. Oh, so yeah. She's doing a brilliant job with the character development, but I, I totally agree with your point that why now? Why all of a sudden? Yeah, what 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 was wrong on the Shenzo for nine years? Why couldn't she pick any of this up? Especially... First con- officer. Yeah, true. Yeah, she First does say officer, that. And she does make the point of it not being... Um, correct behavior to to fraternize so what one assumes that she was distancing herself socially from from the rest of the crew yeah yeah strictly yeah yeah i can buy that um okay (laughs) i just think it's very strange i know i know i know what you mean i mean spock warms up more in tos than michael has presumably done in these seven years but yeah well right at the start of the episode she acknowledges a potential friendship with Tilly yeah. as a new thing. She's not had a friendship before, so she didn't have anyone that wanted to get to know her on that level no, previously, I mean, so I mean, there was she, no point. She kind of had this mother-daughter thing with Giorgio, but, but that's a different dynamic, yeah, like you say. Mm. And then I like the where she dances with Ash. There's, I found it really interesting. She says, will you lead, please? Which made me think, well... So, presumably, by this point in the future, gender roles are not automatically assumed when it comes to dancing. You know, she invites him to lead, but there's no presumption of, I will lead the dance because I'm the man, Mm. which I just thought was a nice little touch. When Stamets said, can I lead, please? Yeah. Yeah. I've never because, thought oh, he's that. the teacher and he's the man. Yeah, and we she doesn't know that. how to dance, so he's showing yeah. her. Of course, he should lead. Um, but yeah, that was a, that's a good pickup, actually. Yeah. I sort of it, no, I'd never noticed it before, but it, I, I just thought that's an interesting, an interesting choice of language, and I think the implications of it are quite nice, really, when you think yeah. about it. But and then obviously the case. And you know he he gives away all this stuff on mud, and it's the first call out for a time crystal, which obviously plays pl- into season two. Yeah, which I think a lot of us forgot when we got to season two. You know, I, I think even we had a discussion about you know do we buy time crystals? Is it just a little bit too yeah. silly? But the, well, yeah, the, the, the drops it on us at what not even halfway through season one. Mm. Exactly. And if you remember, Elliot, we speculated at the time that maybe the time crystals were possibly related to the Bajoran orbs. 
Yeah. And in this episode, they say, oh, a, four dim- a fourth dimensional species must have perfected the technology, which yeah. the prophets are a fourth dimensional. So I think our little fan theory there still holds up. That sounds good. Something <laughs> that stuck out to me like a, a sore thumb was uh, when, when Tyler's talking about uh, Harry, he says about breaking into the Betasoid Bank. Yeah. Now, I'm sorry, but a, a race of telepaths. <laughs> you try and commit a crime on a planet full of telepaths. Yeah, but he's and, obviously and, done it. He's obviously my, done it with the time loop, hasn't he? That's that's why he's. It's such a big deal that he has done it. And no, because it, it was talking about all the locks and things that he's bypassed, and I'm like, well, surely a Bayside Bank wouldn't need. Yeah, they built. Us, I mean, because the yeah the. Well, there's obviously some sort of security and all that, and I'd assume that even something like that would be, because the species that are immune to telepathy, like the Ferengi. True, there are, yeah. So Ferengi could... But if he's done it through time loops, like what he's done with on Discovery, Mm. that every time he's worked out how to get past this person or this lock or this security measure, and you've no idea how many times he might have done it, he could have done it a thousand times till he managed to break the time True. loop mm. to break in. And the, there's a bit where one of the times where he's taking the bridge, he calls Bryce random communications officer man. Yeah. <laughs> now, it's funny, but is it just from the perspective of the show, when one of your main problems is that you're not fleshing out your supporting characters that well i'm not sure it's such a good idea to have a character in the show point a big actually point it out (laughs) yeah now i wonder if well they don't have red shirts do they no like i've i've wondered about this i was thinking this as well and i wonder if it's deliberately that we didn't get introduced to people in the first season Maybe. So that we got the contrast of Pike coming onto the bridge if they knew where they were it going. It could have fast. been. And it, there is a core characters. There's there's Michael, Tilly, Stamets, Saru, Ash. And you do know a lot about them. It's just as we've said before, like it's the bridge officers you don't learn yeah, about. Yeah. Like, you didn't even know the names, really. No, and 700 episodes of Star Trek has conditioned us to, to think we yeah, need to know everything to be about... Fair, like, if you remember when we when we did these originally, like, when we got to season two with Pike and he did a roll call around the bridge, we made a bit... We were really impressed that we yes. finally knew who these people were. Yeah, exactly. It shouldn't have taken us till season two to know the name of our names of our bridge officers. No, but... Yeah, I just think maybe it's a bit too on the nose yeah. calling it out that way. But another thing I'm not mad keen on in this one is where Michael says, oh, well, it, I've got something even more important, me. And the reasoning she gives for it, that she till, killed to cover and that the Klingons will pay a lot for it, that makes sense. But again, it's one of these, oh, well, of course, Michael's the most important thing and more important than the ship and... Now, is she more important than the ship? According to Mud, Mud certainly seems to think that she'll fetch a higher price. Like, to me, I think he'd go for taking both at this point. Oh, yeah. And I don't... don't, Like, when she reveals this, it's still in a time loop. So I see nothing to actually... I don't know why he came out of the time loop at this point. There's nothing to stop him having... Having everything. <laughs> True, yeah. And it, it just felt a little bit... It, it's almost sort of wince-inducing, like, oh, I'm me, I'm a more important commodity. It's like, really? Like, have we got to this point, though, so far in season one, where she was the... It was every episode with Burnham. Well, I think so, because it is her show, and like I said... Yeah. I've, I've got no problem with it being her show, but it does just feel sometimes a little bit much how every situation ends up revolving around her. Yeah. And And, and the way she presents it as well, she's quite self-involved. Yes, she is. All about her development. If I I went around going, oh, all right, yeah, I'm finding this difficult and, you know, this is weird and and I'm I'm growing as a person, I'm doing this... People 
would just slap me. <laughs> I know this. <laughs> I yeah. know they would. But, you know, the, the nice heroic gesture of swallowing that weaponized dark matter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing is, I don't dislike the character of Michael at all. I just think, I just think sometimes, and they have addressed this a lot with season two. I, I do think sometimes some of the criticism has been legitimate that it ends like you didn't need that element of well I'll put myself in the deal that that wasn't necessary to this story you could have done a resolution without that yeah and it mm. wouldn't have felt like another let's put Michael on a pedestal moment um, yeah that, you could you, you you could have still reprogrammed the captain's chair to send <laughs> yeah. the signal to. Yeah. Stella. Uh, to Stella. Yeah, you could have absolutely the done that. Without Burnham having to make herself the centre of the story. That's it. And I, I think another reason it annoys me is because you do get these people who criticise Burnham not because of anything legitimate to do with the story, but they criticise it to back up their own agendas, which are quite often right-wing agendas. And... It annoys me when the show does things that gives them ammunition. Yeah, it feeds them. <laughs> yeah, it's like no, no, please don't, don't give, you know, because. But what... then, of course, the stories were written long time ago before we even. Oh, absolutely. Knew about the characters and stuff, so it's 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 it's, it's a difficult one it for showwriters to to gauge. It's a very fine line, and it's a learning curve as well. You know, particularly in like they obviously did address it for season two. Yeah. And if we hold this up, episode seven, I mean, off the top of my head, I, I can't think which was the seventh episode of TNG, but I'm willing to bet it's not as good as this one. And likewise for DS9 or Voyager. So, you know, it, it is teething problems, but I think I think we hold shows up to a higher standard now, partially because the television industry is a lot more cutthroat now. So if you have a lacklustre first season, the likelihood is you are not going to get a second season. Yeah. Whereas in the old days, Next Gen took three seasons to find its feet. It had been gone. We spoke about this before, like there was nothing really competing against it. Yeah. No, absolutely. So wrapping up the episode then. So yeah, it finishes with almost a, a... It is a comedy beat really, isn't it? With Mud getting handed over to... Um, his wife and his father-in-law. Oh, you'll love this. Go on. See, episode seven of TNG. Yeah. Justice. Oh, there you go. So this one is better than Justice. I was right. (laughs) (laughs) And there's some quite nice dialogue, I think, at the end with Ash and think like when he says, I'm sad I missed our first kiss. I think that's that's a good bit of dialogue. And Well, there was another bit where... um, Mud says, adieu, Mon Capitan. Capitan." And I was just like, oh, that's echoing Q. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Um, The the, the fun bit was finally meeting Stella. Yes. And he's obviously uh, petrified of her. She wears the trousers. Oh, and we see that when we see him in TOS, obviously. But, um, but yeah, a, a much younger, nicer version of Stella than what what we end up seeing in TOS. <laughs> but then what we see in yeah, TOS she, is she a age, robot. She doesn't age well, does she, for, what, eight, nine years? But then that's a, a robot of what he, how he perceives Stella, so maybe he wasn't kind. Fair enough. I don't know. But yes, it, I'd rather be stuck on a planet with 800 duplicates of this Stella than the one that he ends up yeah. with in iMod. Uh, not iMod. It is iMod, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so yeah but yeah I think the both of the ones we've talked about today are really good episodes and I think they do it they do it differently enough that it doesn't feel like we're treading old ground when we they, they feel like very different episodes yeah mm. it, it's the same premise it's Groundhog Day but yeah but it's yeah it's it shows you can do it if you can put your own spin on it so yeah, good episode. I think episodes. out of the two, I prefer the TNG. Yeah, I think I do. No, yeah. I mean, the TNG's cemented itself as an absolute all-time classic, hasn't it? Yeah. You know? And 
It's like we talked about before, with Discovery being so serialised. I mean, this one is pretty much standalone. You can do it. But yeah, it's one of the few that you can... Actually, because I'm, I'm lazy, and I've, been, I've got all sorts of bits and pieces in front of me that I'm working on, so I watch these, and I tend to watch the next two or three episodes. Yeah. And there's actually a couple of them that you can watch. Yeah, the first half of the first season is more more so like that yeah, than episodic. the later ones. But yeah. But I, I think what I was getting at is when you're that serialised, it's harder to single out an episode, you know, it's to just, say yeah, that's a classic yeah. discovery episode. It's like nobody ever says, Oh, the greatest episode of twenty four is definitely nine AM till ten AM. You know, it, yeah. it just <laughs> Yeah, nobody <laughs> It's harder when it's serialised so heavily. Anyway, I think that just about wraps us up for time loops for now. And yeah. if, if you want to get the full effect of it, just rewind your podcast and start again. <laughs> <laughs> but um, from us then, uh, thanks right, for... So we're talking about cause and effect and... Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cause and effect and thing. I don't know... Uh... I've never seen one before. No one has, but I'm thinking it's a white hole. <laughs> a white hole? So thanks for trekking with us this time. We'll see you next time on the retrek. Thank, Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>